You're listening to the Agony Column News Report featuring interviews, phone interviews, reports from live book events and festivals, and conversations with readers. You can find additional news, interviews, book reviews, and more five days a week at the Agony Column website at trashotroncom agony. Well, thanks a lot. Um, as uh, Rena said, we do this once a month, and we'd like to invite all the, our Litquake friends to come back again. Uh, I, would, I would like to thank uh, Natural Selection, because we are in 3D tonight. And, um, <laughs> and I want to remind everybody, uh, before we start to turn on your cell phones, in case a better offer comes along. Um, <laughs> now, science fiction and fantasy is a literature of... I would say it's a political and a speculative, a literature of ideas both in content and in orientation. And some of that we're going to explore later on and some of that in terms of the readings. But uh, uh, that's sort of our orientation tonight around the Carl Brandon Society and, uh, and Octavia Butler is our sort of uh, missing star tonight. But we have three very fine readers, so without further ado, uh, I'd like to introduce our first reader. Uh, most writers don't like to admit that they ever had to learn anything, but she's in fact a, has a MSA, I believe, a Master of Fine Arts, uh, MFA. Uh, she was, um, she used to run, I guess, program manager of the Kearney Street Workshop, which is a, a, um, an Asian arts organization here in San Francisco, which maybe you'll tell us more about later. Uh, she has published short fiction in uh, Mc, uh, McSweeney's is that a magazine? I've never heard. It's, of it's a journal. Yeah, oh, it's a okay. local journal. No, I'm only kidding. McSweeney's okay. is a big deal. Um, you scared me there. Hyphen and other. Which, is that Charlie Andrews magazine? Yeah. yeah. Other. Yes. Yeah. Did you ever get your check? Were <laughs> <laughs> we supposed to get checked? <laughs> I don't know. I never got mad. Anyway, it gives me great pleasure to introduce our first reader tonight, Claire Light. Thank you. Oh, right works. Okay. Oh, it does. It's really go. bright. It's really bright. Um, before I turn that on, can you can you guys hear me? Yes. I can't. I can't hear myself. Um, can I get a show of hands? How many of you are here because you're Octavia Butler fans? Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's wow. what I thought. That's what I thought. So and how many of you are writers? Mm. All right. All right. Let, of of anything of any kind. <laughs> Okay, there are fewer writers of any kind than there are writers of fiction. I find that interesting. Uh, <laughs> so there's a little self-definition problem here, but that's okay because Carl Brandon does self-definition problems. Um, I'm here representing the Carl Brandon Society, which I'm um, on the, the quote-unquote board of, but it's actually a steering committee. Um, we're hoping in the future when we get our stuff together to actually have a much less hierarchical structure so that our members can actually make more decisions and step up and, and do more programming. But um, to tell you a little bit about the Carl Brandon Society, um, and the reason we're talking about the Carl Brandon Society <coughs> is um, CBS, as I'll refer to it from now on, um, is the organization that administers the Octavia Butler Scholarship, which is the beneficiary of tonight's fundraiser. Uh, CBS started in 1999 at the WizCon feminist science fiction convention in Madison, Wisconsin. How many of you have been there? That's good. It's not good enough, <laughs> but it's good. Um, and um, 
WizCon is is a very very lefty, very progressive convention, and um, there were there was a group in 1999. There was a group of fans of color there who felt that they didn't have a space to um, talk about their issues, and we we have issues, and so um, <laughs> they asked WizCon to provide a space, and there was a panel. Um, and the Carl Brandt Society formed as a result of that panel. And it was also inspired by um, Samuel Delaney's uh, essay um, in, was it, was it the, um, uh, I, I'm, I'm blanking on the, um, no, then it, it ended up in Dark Matter later on, but it was in a, in a magazine, um, New, New York Review of Science Fiction, thanks Jude, um, which, is, um, which w was titled uh, Racism in, in SF. And um, anyway, so um, CBS ended up, after about seven years, getting its 501c3 official nonprofit status. Um, and it set us back, I can tell you. <laughs> it, 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 it caused us a lot of problems in terms of um, administration. But um, so if anybody wants to volunteer. But um, <laughs> what we do, well, let me read you our mission first so you know what we're about. Um, the mission of the Carl Brandon Society is to increase racial and ethnic diversity in the production of an audience for speculative fiction. We envision a world in which speculative fiction about complex and diverse cultures from writers of all backgrounds is used to understand the present and model possible futures, and where people of color are full citizens in the community of imagination and progress. So um, our programs are um, the Butler Scholarship, which I'll tell you more about in a second, our literary awards, which are annual, even though we haven't done them since 2006 because of the whole 501c3 thing, which I just hinted about. Um, we're, we're catching up this year. I swear to God we're going to catch up. Um, the literary awards are the Parallax and the Kindred, and they are respectively um, an award for any writer who writes um, speculative fiction about issues of people of color and um, an award for writers of color who write speculative fiction about any topic. Um, and then we also do Ethnic Heritage Month recommended reading lists and we have a wiki of writers of color in the, the genres and um, we have a discussion group on Yahoo Groups and you can access um, any of these things through our website which is carlbrandon.org. And then the, the plug, um, I'm also collecting memberships outside. If you want to become a member, it's $25 a year. And I have buttons and I have pamphlets and or brochures or whatever you call them. Okay, enough of that. So the Butler Scholarship, how many of you have heard of the Clarion Writers' Workshops? How many of you have been to the Clarion Writers' Workshops? Okay, not enough of you have been to the Clarion Writers' Workshops because a lot of you are writers. You should know the Clarion Writers Workshops are um, two, a series of two workshops. Actually, there's, there's a third one now in Australia, but there's two in the United States. Um, and they've been going sort of consistently since, I think, 1968, maybe even earlier. Uh, they're workshops for speculative fiction writing. They're six-week workshops where um, they're boot camps. You go in there, you write one story a week, you get a new instructor every week, and it's, it's hardcore. Um, and it's intended to take experienced writers, not beginners, but experienced writers from the point um, where they, they have a bunch of stories sitting in a drawer somewhere to the point where they're being published and recognized in the profession. And it works. About a third of Clarion graduates end up getting published. So um, one thing that we know about Octavia Butler um, is that, because she spoke about it all the time, is that she got her start at Clarion. 
the original Clarion Workshop. And she was so grateful to the Clarion Workshop for this that she went back and taught at the Clarion Workshops, both of them, uh, repeatedly. And in fact, I attended Clarion West in 2003 and I met her there. Um, as a result of that, you, you get to meet a lot of amazing writers that way. Um, so she wanted, she died, for those of you who, who aren't aware, she died in 2006, in spring of 2006, and she had expressed a wish before she died that her memorial be a scholarship for writers of color to go to the Clarion Workshops. So uh, this was not just a CBS um, initiative, it was community-wide. Everyone in the community kind of got together and um, and put this scholarship together and gave it to CBS to administer. And um, the Butler Scholarship, the Octavia E. Memorial Butler, Octavia E. Butler Memorial Scholarship, um, sends up to two writers of color to the Clarion Workshops every year, one to each each workshop. Um, so I'm just going to read the names of the Butler Scholars. This started in 2007. Um, in 2007, it was Shweta Narayan and Christopher Caldwell. In 2008, it was Mary Burroughs and Karen Gusoff. And in 2009, it was Rochita Lonan Ruiz. Uh, so keep those names in your head because you're definitely going to hear from them again. Um, so I would be thrilled to talk more about CBS and the Butler Scholarship. So ask questions later on during the Q&A. And um, you can also come to me afterwards. Um, I have a table out there. So I'm just going to turn um, my attention towards our theme tonight, which was being inspired by Octavia Butler. And uh, when Rena asked me to participate, it was at tonight, it was as, as a member of um, the CBS board. What she didn't know is that I am probably one of Octavia Butler's biggest fans. Um, I actually got started reading science fiction very slowly in college when someone introduced me to Ursula Le Guin, and she made me want to write science fiction, but I couldn't ever write science fiction. Um, I read everything I could get my hands on from Ursula, and um, and it somehow it just it was never a language that I could speak. So. Um, Fast forward, I'm, I'm in my late 20s and, I'm, and I, I, I had been living abroad and I moved back to the States and I moved to San Francisco to connect with my Asian American communities. Um, and at this point I've been working in Asian American um, organizing for about 11 years. Um, and sort of in the middle of this, an Asian American friend of mine gave me the Parable of the Sower and said, you have to read this woman. So I read Parable of the Sower, and I was so blown away by this book. I, I was, I think, 30 at this point, um, that I went and in the space of six months read everything that Octavia Butler had published in book form except, I think, Survivor, which is the first one which she repudiated, and you can only get it on Amazon for $200 at this point. But... Um, <laughs> Anyway, so I, as uh, right after I finished reading Octavia Butler, I took a writing class and um, and I sat down and I, I didn't just write my first SF story. It it came flooding out of me. It was really peculiar. It was like I'd never experienced this before because previous to that, it was you know writing was like pulling stuff out of you, and um, and this was just like opening a door and it just came out. It was so easy, and um, and it was it had everything in it in the story. It had everything that I'd been working on and thinking about and agonizing over in my life and in politics and in the world around me in the previous several years. Um, and the other thing about this story was when I finished it, and it took me three years to finish, 
when I finished it, 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 it had this kind of magic to it. it um, this story got me into graduate school. It got me into the Clarion Workshop. It was my first publication. It was my first audiobook recording. Um, and it's going to be published again uh, in a few months, I, in another, in an anthology. And um, it has this kind of magic about it, which I really, I'm not superstitious, but I really feel was like a gift from Octavia, whom I only met a few times um, and didn't really know me very well. But I, I feel like it was a gift from her writing persona, um, this amazing powerhouse persona who had so much to say about otherness and alienness and inside-outside perspectives. So I'm just going to read, do, how, much, how much time do I have left, do you know? Does anyone have know? like 40 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I'm just going to read a, a, a short excerpt, like the first part that came flooding out of me when I, um, after I read Octavia Butler. Um, this story is called Pigs in Space. From where I sit, strapped down in this seat, I can see most of the earth through the porthole. Daryl has on his Sunday face part complacency, part celebration, no calculation. He's bouncing naked, hands-free, around the quarters, singing his Making the Omelette song. The Making the Omelette song is pretty much the same as the Strap on the Toilet song, or the Mix the Slurry song, or the Wait for the Ration song. It comprises two notes, as many words as the title, and endless repetition. In the midst of Daryl's endless singing, I am playing a game of my own. Nod your head up and down, up and down, fast. Now shake it back and forth, back and forth. If you go fast enough, the truncated marble of the earth blurs to white. Now blink rapidly and the white clears into high contrast, white and blue splotches and blotches. They seem to get bigger every day, although we aren't approaching rapidly enough to see a daily difference. Now hold a fixed stare without blinking until your eyes dry out. At some point in all of this, the marble loses its familiarity, an alien thumbnail without a thumb brighter than reality, and approaching like the end of a dream. I blink and shake and nod while Daryl collects four eggs from Stasis storage, a pat of butter, and a pan. We should eject everything in Stasis storage and shut it down. It burns two units per hour, but I don't say anything. He swoops into the kitchen area he's rigged, a hundred units worth of materials, and pulls the switch. A hiss and a suck, and his feet hit the ground a simultaneous tiny skittering sound from the entire floor in a perfect radius of two feet around him. He threw dry semolina into the air an hour ago to punctuate the semolina song. It ricocheted off the walls for several minutes before becoming inert all over the quarters. Some of it will be in my covers when I get in tonight. Something my mother used to say about attractive young men when I was very small that I never understood back then. He can eat crackers in my bed anytime. <laughs> Even in the golden past, was there always some small price to pay for the kind of thing we did last night? Fifteen units cooking semolina. Should leave semolina in the dry storage. Should really eject the semolina. Should never have brought semolina in the first place. But I don't say anything. I keep expecting to see semolina sticking to Daryl's broad moon face and clustering around his opaque eyes. I expect that he generates his own small gravity field out here and that he will inevitably draw the results of his mistakes and his scattering of spirits back to himself. He wastes gas, turning on the gravity, heating the skillet, reconstituting the water, boiling it, 15, per units, 15 units per minute on his jerry-rigged range. He uses butter from stasis storage to cook with, should eject everything in stasis storage when he's not looking. 
Barring any further accidents, I've done and redone the figures every week for 90 weeks now. Barring accidents, these once-a-week skillet fests will deliver us back to the company's door when the two-year cycle is through, with our pigs nearly dead, our tanks empty, and our fuel drained to the last drop. Without batting an eyelash, the manager will say, good job, tonelessly, hand us credit script and a document of our canceled indenture, and we'll be free to sign up for another round. It's a game, an experiment for them, but not a game that they play against us. They play the game against chance and their own skill in choosing crew members. We're just the players with no players in reserve. If we fuck ourselves up, they'll retrieve the data and the cattle and put the information toward the next cycle. They'll inform our families and hand over the bodies or, in my case, cremate and recycle. If we fuck ourselves up, we're fucked. Eggs don't smell like anything, but when they hit the butter with that fractured smack, the browning butter smell changes and slicks the air. My mouth doesn't water, my eyes do. The dry gold dust of the air we make out here becomes morning all at once, the morning of our week. Wet, moist, greasy, and full of things that still need to be done. The smell of things comes close for a moment on plastic plates and cold forks. I walk into Daryl's circle of gravity and I'm sucked down. The smack on the soles of my feet is better than coffee. We eat standing in a two-foot radius, warmed by each other's bodies. I'm going to stop there. Thank you. You're listening to the Agony Column News Report featuring interviews, phone interviews, reports from live book events and festivals, and conversations with readers. You can find additional news, interviews, book reviews, and more five days a week at the Agony Column website at trashotroncom agony.